Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Plant Powered People Podcast with your hosts, Michelle Kane and Tony Okamoto. Today's topic is um, one that's a little bit different. I feel like for some very lucky ones of us, <laughs> being vegan is getting easier and easier and easier every day. When I go to my local grocery store, there's a zillion vegan options there. And when I tune into my feeds on the internet or people around me, it seems like everyone's talking about plant-based eating or trying plant-based milk. It just feels like it's everywhere. But I live in a total bubble. And the reality is that for a lot of people, there are a whole slew of challenges. Um, and their access to this information and this just way of living is a lot more difficult. There are language barriers, there's financial insecurity, there's individuals who have minimal education, difficulty healthy accessing healthy foods or even no access at all to grocery stores and beyond. Um, so in today's episode, we are really excited to bring on Anna, who is a registered dietitian who provides nutrition counseling to individuals who are facing this whole slew of challenges. Um, she works with individuals who are farm workers or factory workers or other community, community members who are experiencing various health ailments from high blood pressure to diabetes to hypertension, you name it. She is on a mission to provide accessible and affordable nutrition information and empower her patients to be able to take control of their health again. She is such an incredibly inspiring human being and we're so excited to share her story. Yes, I actually wanted to touch on something that you just said, Michelle. Um, one of the things that people ask me all the time um, in interviews, and it makes me a little bit uncomfortable, is how do you deal with excuses people have, like it's too expensive to be vegan? And it makes me a little bit uncomfortable because I know so many people who would and who who would eat healthy and who really desperately want to, but they have five kids and three jobs and um, they don't have the ease uh, and the privileges that so many of us have uh, to even put their brain there. And so I'm really glad to be bringing on Anna, who is empowering people with the knowledge, the resources, the access to eat healthier to reclaim their their lives in in some cases. Uh, so we hope that you enjoy this episode as much as we do. Anna is a fantastic vegan content creator and a great member of our community to be doing this type of work. Before we jump in, we want to give a big thank you to our sponsors of this episode, Maxine's Heavenly Cookies and Carviva Beverages. We've heard us talk about Maxine's before. They make homestyle cookies that are sweetened by nature. They're all natural sweeteners and ingredients. Actually, the first ingredient in their soft baked cookies is oats. So if you're looking for a healthier option for cookies. These are really yummy ones. They use unrefined coconut sugar and dates and lots of other yummy ingredients. And they have both soft bake and these new crispy cookies, which are really yummy. 
You can also save 25% if you want to try them. And I highly recommend that you do. They have a code that is PLANTS25, P-L-A-N-T-S-2-5. And you can get that 25% off at maxinesheavenly.com, which we will put in our show notes. Now to balance out the cookies, (laughs) I have been juicing and making smoothies like there's no tomorrow. I am on such a juice and smoothie kick, especially summertime. It's warm, just fresh produce everywhere. It's so, so fun. But when you don't have time to make your own or you're out and about and you don't have access to make your own, Carviva has your back. They are on a mission to create really great tasting, functional, organic juices and smoothies by incorporating some of the healthiest superfoods that are loaded with natural ingredients nutrients, antioxidants, phytonutrients, all the good stuff that's going to empower your body to um, to be strong, to prevent disease, all the things. Um, they're a really great source of clean protein as well and a nice healthy boost of energy. They also have this really cool alcohol-free alternative to wine called Unwind, and it's a, it's a first of its kind, uh, and it makes me rhyme, apparently. Uh, and you can find all of these at K-A-R-V-I-V-A.com. Hi, Anna. Welcome to the Plant Powered People podcast. Hi, Tony. Hi, Michelle. Thank you for joining us today. I'm really excited. I am a huge fan of your work online on Instagram and TikTok uh, at Healthy Simple Yum. But also, um, I'm a fan of what you do in your day daytime job as well. Before we dig into the fabulous work that you do online and off, would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today? Yes, of course. Thank you for having me again. Um, And yeah. Hi, everyone. My name is Anna Rios. I am a registered dietitian, uh, Mexican-American, raised in the East Bay. And I I grew up in in a poor community. Well, I would say low income community in the East Bay, Richmond, California, to be specific. And um, I I went to school and I always knew I wanted to go to college. And, you know, as a as a first generation uh, Mexican-American, I knew I wanted to be in the healthcare field because that's just what called to me. And so I I wanted to be a doctor, you know, as as everyone does as they're, you know, when they're little kids. So I decided that I wanted to be a doctor, but then when I was in high school, I looked into it and I was like, wait a minute, you know, is this something I really want to commit to? Like what else is there? Started exploring and I realized there was a preventative side of healthcare. And that's when I was like, oh, like nutrition, what's this? Like, can I be a registered dietitian or a nutritionist? And that's when I decided to take that gap year between going straight into a four-year university, just went to a community college to kind of figure everything out. And I started learning about grants and ways I can apply to a to a UC. So I, that's when I started looking into UC Davis, UC Berkeley, and that's, that's where it started. <laughs> cool. And was, okay, Whew, so many things. Uh, mm. Let's go back to your family. Your family, um, how did they teach you about food? 
Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, my family, my close, my immediate family, like my mom and my dad, they never ate super unhealthy, but it was never like very nutritious either. Um, it was in the middle, but I think for the most part, my mom was very, um, she was very careful about like the things she cooked. And I never really understood why, because I don't think she really even knew why. Um, you know, she, she didn't graduate. Like, I don't think it was middle school. I think she went to like maybe fifth, sixth grade and, you know, she, she doesn't know anything about nutrition, but she knew that there had to be vegetables and, you know, not too much red meat and not too much like, you know, fried foods. So we started, I started picking up on it. And that's when I realized some of my other family members, like my aunts and my uncles were in the hospital for like uncontrolled diabetes or high cholesterol and like heart disease. So that's when I was like, wait, this is, this is, this can be prevented or at least can be controlled with nutrition. And, um, that's when, that's when it kind of clicked and I started, you know, cooking with my mom more in the kitchen and, and that's sort of how it started. In school, was that information readily available to you? Um, the, the preventative healthcare as opposed to, um, putting a bandaid on it? Unfortunately, no. Um, I never learned about nutrition in school. I think there was a brief period in like seventh grade, somewhere in middle school where we learned about like health ed a little bit, but never nutrition. And how receptive were your parents? I know like with my family, it was an obstacle for me to think about eating healthier. I've I, I may have shared this story uh, on this podcast before, but I remember my parents were like, "Like, why has God forsaken me? How did I end up with a daughter who doesn't eat red meat? Because I stopped eating red meat first. And little did they know that I would progress and give up a lot more than they would have liked. Mm-hmm. Um, but how did your parents receive that information and then and then support you in this journey of helping people um, change the way they eat. Yeah, no, it, it's it was definitely a struggle, as it is with a lot of Mexican Latinx parents. Um, but luckily, they were a little bit more open minded, and I think you know that's that's just how my parents are. They they do like to listen and they like to learn. So luckily, that you know, that was, that was a positive thing for me because I was able to hop in and, and kind of, you know, start telling them why, and they would listen. So they're very respectful. And, um, they started integrating it little by little, of course. Um, well, I'm happy to say that my parents are currently mostly plant-based, uh, you know, with the occasional fish and, you know, seafood, sometimes cheese, but, fully, almost fully plant-based now. Um, but they started making small, you know, small, uh, changes. And I think that's really where you get them because, you know, Mexican parents or or any, any parents, right. Or anyone that's set in their ways and, and dietary habits that they've been doing for so long are a little resistant to change. So just small steps, I think like maybe cooking a plant-based meal once a week, that's where it started. And then uh, maybe trying like a vegan cheese next time we're at the grocery store, things like that. That is so, I mean, that's like the dream. Everybody wants that, whether you're 
from the South eating Southern food or you're Mexican eating Mexican food, everyone who is plant-based wants their family to not only under—I mean understand them and support them, that's one thing, but then to jump in and also start eating more plants. That is amazing. And I'm really excited for you. I was wondering if you or if your family saw any benefits to their health when they started incorporating more plants and how that guided you to doing what you do now, which I do want to expand on in a moment. Yeah, no, I, they definitely saw major changes in their health. Um, just, just to begin, my mom has uh, struggled with hypertension, also known as high blood pressure for a while. Um, she was also, you know, pretty overweight when she was younger. She struggled with her weight a lot and just, you know, other things like depression and just like mood swings. And ever since she started incorporating more plants to her diet, her blood pressure was very well controlled. Her medications went down. Um, I mean, she's able to run. My mom runs like she sometimes goes for like three, four mile runs, which I think is pretty cool. Um, her energy levels and same with my dad. He never had any chronic illnesses to like use as measurements, but again, like his energy levels and overall, he's always been a healthy guy. So, um, that's, that's mostly what he, he says was, you know, changed the most was his energy levels. That's awesome. Okay. So I really want to dig deeper into the work that you do because it's so powerful. And I feel like so many people in this country or in our community or who listen to this podcast, either themselves or know someone, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> know someone who is struggling with language barriers or finances or nutrition education, and you help with all of those things in your job. So can you talk a little bit about what you do and we'll go from there? Yeah. So I am a registered dietitian at a federally qualified health center, also known as a FQHC, which is a health center for the uh, you know, for lower income populations that typically have Medi-Cal partnership um, or any insurance that is not, you know, considered Kaiser or any of the larger insurances. Um, and I work with a population of mostly Hispanic uh, patients. So patients that normally don't speak English or have a language barrier and patients that typically well, in the area that I work, they typically work in the fields, uh, picking, you know, the grapes or doing the agriculture. Um, they work in, you know, factories and farms. So um, that's that's what I do, and I've been doing it for actually. <laughs> this is my fifth year this month. I have I've been a dietitian for five years now, working with this population. That's incredible. And when you say working with them. What services do you provide? What kind of information do you share? Um, do you help them with what to eat or how to shop? Or um, is it personalized? Is it general information? Uh, can you explain a little bit more about that? Ooh, yes. And I can go on. So feel free to cut me off at any 
time. Um, so I, I provide mostly one-on-one sessions, which are usually 60 minute initial counseling sessions or 30 minute follow-ups. And this is where I, uh, provide a full nutrition assessment to begin because everyone is different. Every person is different. They have different dietary habits. They have different lifestyles. So before we, before I can help anyone improve their, you know, their nutrition habits, I need to know where they're at because, uh, a big motto in nutrition as a dietitian is meet the patient where they're at. Um, this means, okay, like, let's see how you're doing. Like, oh, you're, you know, you're maybe I do a dietary recall and I realize they're having pan dulce and Coca-Cola every day, twice a day. Um, where do we start? How do I know if this patient is ready for change? How do I know, you know, if they're struggling with depression, anxiety, are they sleeping well? Like, so a full nutrition assessment gives me a good idea of what the patient, uh, what they're struggling with, what their strengths are. And the second half of the initial session, that's where I dig into like more motivational interviewing. I, you know, assess the patient for what their priorities are. I ask them what they want to focus on because I mean, a lot of patients may be getting referred for like weight loss or something that maybe they don't prioritize. But if you ask them like, oh, what what would you like to get out of today's session? Or, Or what are some of your nutrition goals? They might say something like, oh, I, I want more energy or I want to have a healthier breakfast. Um, so it's just meeting the patient where they're, where they're at and of course providing that basic nutrition information because of the population that, that I do work with. Most of them have low literacy. Um, they're at low literacy levels. So what that means is you know, I ask questions to gauge where they're at, such as, oh, do you know what a carbohydrate is? Do you know what a protein is? And that's where I can come in and provide that basic information so that we can continue to build on it on these one-on-one sessions. Um, that's, That's one service that I offer, which is the most common one, but we also offer groups and classes uh, that during COVID paused for a little bit, but we are doing them virtually again. So I used to have a diabetes group and now I have a disordered eating slash building a healthy relationship with food group. Um, there's, you know, an, other dietitians hold pediatric groups for the kiddos and the moms. Um, so there's groups, some, you know, before COVID, we used to always have health hubs, which is a fun food drive where we have like Zumba. We had a blood pressure uh, station that where they would check blood pressure for free and they would check their blood sugar for free. I would ha- be have the nutrition booth where I would pass out recipes and like give out samples. Um, and there was music. So there's, there's a lot of services that we offer at clinics like this. And I, I enjoy every single one of them. That's awesome. If, if someone is interested or know someone who may be interested, how do, how do people access this, these types of clinic? Are they available everywhere? Are they primarily plant-based focused? Um, is it, is it something that anyone can access or, uh, yeah, how, how Mm -hmm. can you 
find these services near you? Yeah. So federally qualified health centers are typically found anywhere. Um, They're all over California. They should be in almost every county, typically in the lower income areas. Um, But it's always there. There's these services are always offered um, at every clinic, FQHC. And um, a, a good way to find them is maybe just going online and searching maybe your county. So like, let's say it's Marin County, type in Marin County, and then you type in Federally Qualified Health Center or Community Clinic is another name that they go by. And you just you know, you get the phone number, you call, you tell them that you're interested in the services. Um, If you do or don't have insurance, you just let them know. If you don't have insurance, they typically have someone that can help you get insured. And not only do they help with options, but they also help with the process, especially if the patient is low literacy. So they help apply for Medi-Cal partnership you know, private insurance, if that's the case. And if not, if the patient is undocumented or they don't qualify for any of these options, they always provide a sliding scale option, which is a discounted rate, which is amazing because let's say, let's say I have an undocumented patient that comes in, doesn't qualify for any of the insurance options to see me you know, depending on what uh, sliding scale she was approved for, they can pay anything from $15 to $30, $35, which is much more affordable than it would be out of pocket. That's incredible. I I did not have a lot of money for quite some time. And I had no idea that things like this existed. And I remember wanting to seek, uh, this is slightly different, but I wanted to seek counseling. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just felt like I I could never be able to do it because I didn't have healthcare insurance. And I also didn't have money to pay out of pocket. And then I found a nonprofit that offered something on a sliding scale starting at $15. And it just opens Mm -hmm. up this world of better health, whether it be mental, emotional, physical, and the improvement made on my well-being was so significant. And I'm so grateful that uh, whether they're nonprofits or federal-based, that people have access to care. That's really great. I was wondering, first of all, Tony's told me a little bit about the work that you do. So I was already pretty amazed, but just hearing you talk about this is just really, really a special thing that you're doing. So that's awesome. Um, I'm curious if... uh, if people know about it, like how, how does someone figure out that these resources are, resources are even available to them to be able to connect with them? Um, is that like yet another layer of work that has to kind of been cre- be created in order to get these resources to people? Yeah, that's a great question because yeah, I think it could improve. Um, a lot of people aren't aware that these clinics is, exist and that they offer all of these services at such a discounted rate. I think the only reason that, I mean, I knew about it was because I I grew up going to an FQHC when I was when I was a child. I my pediatrician um, was an FQHC, and my mom went there, and 
uh, the only reason why we found out was because I think they were applying for um, assistance or aid at, I want to say the WIC, um, the WIC Center with the Women, Infants, and Children program. So it's sort of like another branch of the um, the nutrition and the, well, not food stamps. What's what's it called now? Um, SNAP. SNAP benefits. SNAP. Yes, the SNAP benefits. And that's that's where we found out about it. But I mean, yeah, there there needs to be more. Um, it, it needs it needs to be out in the open. I, I don't know how else. I feel like nowadays maybe like online, the internet, right? I feel like that's a good source. But um, yeah, not many people know about it. So I'm I'm not surprised. For people who are listening and who have family members who could benefit from learning more about nutrition education and these types of resources, can we run through the list of things that you do and and show people how they can apply it to their own lives? Like say someone has a family member and there is a language barrier, how would they go about helping them find information about more plant forward recipes, for example? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, so when it comes to, well, I guess I, I want to clarify a little bit. So, um, what you, I guess the question was more around the lines of like, okay, if someone doesn't speak English and they're trying to get nutrition advice or help with recipes or counseling, what would be the next step? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, in, in the clinics that I work with, we try to have Spanish speaking dietitians. Um, unfortunately, there's not too many. And there's also, you know, there might be other languages that our patients speak. Um, so, for example, I know there's Portuguese a lot. Um, and I use a professional translator when I do have someone that speaks another language that I can't speak. So I will, you know, I'll dial one of our professional translators that is, you know, certified in like healthcare translation. And we typically have handouts in different languages. Um, the most common are, you know, English, Spanish. In our area, we have um, Portuguese and I think it's Vietnamese. But depending on the area, there's different uh, resources, like different handouts that are printed in different languages. Um, most FQHCs should have like Spanish speaking staff because that's typically the population that we serve the most. Um, but yeah, like there's, you know, my recipes are in Spanish. I try to translate as often as I can if it's, you know, a different language. But we definitely try to work with our patients. We try to meet them where they're at. And I think that's, that's part of the goal that we, that, that the clinics have. And say someone has family who doesn't live near a grocery store or maybe on a really tight budget, how can someone support their family member in like, giving the best possible information so that they can get healthy food? Yeah. So that's, that's another thing that we work really hard on is um, giving them information of local, you know, like uh, food pantries or um, different ideas on like how to work with what they've got. Because, you know, a lot of people don't have access to grocery stores nearby. So uh, we do promote, you know, like 
canned vegetables, frozen vegetables, frozen fruits. And I think that's a lot of what we talk about in the sessions, the follow-up sessions specifically. That's when you know, I already know the patient, I know what they're struggling with, and we start focusing on the, the small changes. What are some things that we can we can work on? What are some recipes that would go well with the food that you do have access to? Or how can we how can we modify this recipe to make it a little bit healthier, you know, with the items that you do have? Um, so we do try to try to provide these resources. Um, I know here in Sonoma County, we have a lot of uh, food pantries. We have health hubs where they not only do they get, um, you know, the free food, but it's typically nutrition, nutritious food, like fruits and vegetables and whole grains. Um, so depending on the clinic and depending on the area, I'm sure, you know, those resources and the types, the type of help that is offered uh, does vary, but overall, we try to hit all the all the different levels. <laughs> How resistant are people to going into a clinic like yours? I know, um, I know that sometimes pride can get in the way of receiving help or um, asking for help or feeling like even if you're there like you want to receive all of the information that's being given to you. Mm-hmm. How do you comfort people who are in those positions where it may be really incredibly uncomfortable for them and they may be closed off to receiving information? Yeah, so this is fairly common. Um a lot of a lot of the population that I do work with, they're they're scared of going to the doctor. I don't I don't know where this fear comes from really. I'm sure it's, it's different. I'm sure there's myths in our community because that's, that's how my parents grew up. They were scared to go to the doctor. Um, so they avoided it as much as possible. And a lot of my patients during the first consult, the initial consult, I can sense a lot of resistance. I can sense that they're scared. And again, that, that may be the the misconception that, oh, you're a dietitian. You're going to take away my tortillas. You're going to take away the food that I like, you know? Um, so when it comes to, you know, that first encounter, I think that's the most important part because the, my, the, be- the goal that I have during this first, uh, this first session is to gain their trust and to build rapport with the patient. So just, you know, asking them how they are, asking them how they're feeling, asking them, asking for permission to talk about things, asking for permission to give recommendations, uh, making jokes of, you know, little things or the weather, just making them feel safe and also letting them know that, you know, you're there to help. Um, and part of that initial session is me gauging how they're feeling. So if I do sense fear or resistance, I might not go into nutrition education right away. I might keep it, you know, very simple and just talk about anything that they might feel comfortable talking about. Um, 
but yeah, overall, I, I do believe that most of the patients that, you know, put up with that first full hour session with me do come back. And I always notice a different tone the next time we talk, or I always notice a change in their perspective and their voice because they, you know, they, they see that I'm not a scary dietitian that's going to take away their food. Um, they know that it's different. It's, it's more than that. So if anyone listening uh, maybe has been itching to get nutrition information or maybe help with nutrition, but hasn't or maybe won't find a registered dietitian to work to work with, do you have tips for people, just, just general tips that apply to most people for how we can take action to improve our health, our well-being, our nutrition um, in, our, in our own lives, like practical tips? Yeah. I mean, oh, there's so much. And I think, I think everyone is different, uh, because they, they sort of, you know, they have an idea of like where they need to grow. Um, but my best tip, my best practical tip is using smart goals. And I don't know if you guys have heard of smart goals, but it's an acronym and it's stands for, um, goals that are, um, S they are specific M they're measurable a, they are attainable are, uh, they are realistic and T they are timely. So a smart goal, let's say, let's say the real goal, like the big goal is get healthy or eat plant-based. That's a big goal, right? But in order to get there, we must take smaller goals, smaller steps to avoid that overwhelming feeling because a lot of nutrition, like, like diets, for example, why don't diets work? Because most of the time it's a drastic change and it's restrictive and there's just a lot going on. So most of the times people give up because it's, it's unrealistic. It's just, it's not attainable. Um, so smart goals. And so like, let's say you're just trying to eat healthier. You're just trying to get more vegetables, more plants into your diet, sitting down and just thinking about what are some realistic ways that you can begin doing this and thinking, sitting down and thinking, Oh, okay, well I'm going to add two plant-based proteins per week to my meals. Okay. That's, that's a specific goal. And it's measurable because it's, you know, it's twice a week. Is it attainable for me? Yes. That feels like it is attainable. It's realistic and it's timely. At the end of the week, I can check back and ask myself, oh, did I, did I have two plant-based proteins this week? Cool. I did. Oh, I had three. Oh, that's even better. So just sort of, you know, knowing that there are lots of things that we can do to improve our health, like exercise, drink more water, you know, eat more plants. but instead of you know just focusing on that big goal and, and having it feel overwhelming, taking it a step down and just taking those small baby steps. That's really good advice. That reminds me of the new year where everyone sets the biggest, loftiest goals, and within like two weeks, everyone is off the wagon. Um, <laughs> do you have any inspiring stories, or maybe one inspiring story of someone that you've worked with who? maybe turned around their health or just you were able to have a big impact impact on? Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have many. I'm going to, 
I'm going to talk about one that I that just comes to mind um, because he is. We'll say his name is Jim. Jim was one of my patients at my previous clinic, and he came to me after being referred to or after being referred by his doctor because he got his labs done. He realized his blood pressure, sorry, not blood pressure. He realized his cholesterol was through the roof. And he also realized that he was now diabetic. Um, For those that are familiar with A1C levels, this is how we test for, for, you know, diabetes. And his number was 11 point something. It was, it was very high. And the normal is um, 6.5 or below. So he, he was at 11. He came to me. He was very stressed out. He clearly cared a lot about his health. He wanted to change, but he knew that it was going to be hard because he was a business owner. He didn't have time. You know, he ate a lot of like quick and easy meals, fast food, frozen dinners. Um, so this was going to be a pretty big change for him. So he was really stressed out. He wasn't sure if it was going to work, but he knew he wanted to try. So I started by again, assessing to see where he was, you know, where, where do you grocery shop? Like, how do you feel about this? And, uh, we started by just making one simple change the first time around. And that was just, you know, getting, getting certain ingredients at Trader Joe's and prepping this really delicious salad that he really enjoyed with like plant-based proteins, like nuts and seeds and beans and, you know, lots of vegetables. And he was able to do that. And we started, you know, we started small, we started building up. And then like six months later, he had his labs checked again. And by this time, you know, he wasn't fully plant-based, but he definitely was you know, continuing to build on those goals. And he got those results back, uh, missed his appointment with his doctor for some reason. So I was the one that had to um, read the results to him. And we were so excited. I was so happy because his cholesterol wasn't at normal levels yet, but it had significantly improved. And so has had his blood sugar. Um, so we were just, we were super excited. And I think that was just a really good time for that positive reinforcement to tell him that he was on the right track. He was doing well to keep going. And so he did. And then like, you know, months went by again and it was like almost a year after he started seeing me fully plant-based, um, you know, like full changed his entire, like all of his dietary habits had changed. (laughs) And, you know, we had come up with like really quick and easy meals. Like he was spending maybe like 10 minutes of prep time for his dinner. Like it was very realistic and doable for him. And again, six months passed by and he checked his labs again because the doctor was like, Hey, let's order one more time. And we checked his lab results and cholesterol fully normal. Blood sugar was in the, uh, the A1C for the blood sugar was in the pre-diabetes range. So basically he beat diabetes. He got himself out of the diabetes range, no longer diabetic, doing amazing, thriving. Like he was feeling great. His energy levels were amazing. And it was, it was just a big turnaround and it was just such 
a great moment to see that, you know, like if someone's willing to try and they're willing to start somewhere, they can make a, make big changes and it can be a big turnaround. That's so, so great to have those moments, especially when it is so hard. There's so much ingrained in our eating habits that are feel almost impossible to change. <laughs> and so, so much that's appealing about fast food and quick and easy meals and all of that, that when you have someone who's really dedicated and can show you that like this works, um, that's amazing. I'm so glad you got to have that experience. Is there anything else you want to share uh, just based on your experience through your work or resources that you think are incredibly helpful or anything for people listening that could be helpful to anyone or their friends and family? Yeah. I mean, I, I did want to mention something that's really important that really gets talked about is that nutrition and mental health are so connected. And I always make sure to, you know, to take a part in the the talk of like mindful eating and just, you know, just mental health when it comes to assessing and talking to patients because, you know, depression and anxiety can lead to like, you know, maybe binging or maybe eating less or nothing at all or, you know, disordered eating and eating disorders and just a lot of fad, you know, nutrition things, fad diets and all of these things that get promoted on TikTok and whatnot. Like I feel like there's just a lot of misconceptions. So I always try to, you know, practice intuitive eating with my patients, share mindful eating and just, you know, share how food is really connected to so many things. And it's not just about health, but it's also about mental and emotional well-being, culture, family, happiness. And I think just finding that balance is so important. And it's, I love showing my patients that they can still eat the foods that they love. They can still, you know, take part in their culture, but in a, in a healthier way by just making some modifications. That That's all good advice for people who want to look more into following you and checking out your work online. Will you give them the best places to do so? Yes. So you guys can check my blog out at healthysimpleyum.com. I have my recipes in Spanish and in English and on Instagram at healthysimpleyum. I also have a TikTok where I do more nutrition-related videos also at healthysimpleyum. Um, and Pinterest, if you like Pinterest, I'm also there as well. Same uh, handle. <laughs> I will definitely link all of those in our show notes. And we really, really appreciate you coming on today and sharing your knowledge and experience with our audience. And um, we're really grateful for the work that you do in general. Yeah. Thank you, Anna. You're amazing. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it so much. Big fan. A quick reminder to check out our sponsors of this episode. We have Carviva. They make functional organic juices and smoothies and you can find them at carviva.com and Maxine's Heavenly. They make delicious, um, healthier for you cookies that you can find at maxinesheavenly.com and you can get 25% off with our special listener code plants25. Thank you so much. Unsurprisingly, Anna was a fantastic just human and also guest on our show. She does so much good in the community she lives in. And 
um, I feel like has empowered all of us to look into the resources that are available within our own communities. I know that Margie Beach, who was an was a podcast guest on our show, um, she did the adoption episode. She wrote a, a an article on plantbasedonabudget.com for how to eat um, vegan when you have WIC benefits. And Anna mentioned WIC in the episode. And uh, sometimes when you're getting your your coupons from them, it tells you you get cheese, you get milk, but there are workarounds to make sure that you're getting plant-based plant-based versions like soy milk or almond milk. And uh, and then if you are on a tight budget or if you know someone who is on a tight budget, there are free free plant-based meal plans on plantbasedonabudget.com. And then Michelle and I have the plant-based on a budget meal plans that show you how you can eat for $25 a week. And the original reason we chose that amount is because um, when someone is receiving SNAP benefits, uh, the max benefit per per person, like a single person would be $250. So even if you're using our meal plan and eating a mostly whole foods plant-based diet uh, and say it's even more expensive in your area or take inflation into account, um, you still have so much wiggle room to load up on more fruits and veggies to get you through the week or to supplement um, what we already provide you as a guide. And uh, there are a lot of inf- there's a lot of information out there on the internet to see what you qualify for, um, to eat healthy and plant-based, even if you're facing obstacles, reach out to me or Michelle or Anna, and we will definitely help you out. Yes. A big thank you to Anna and Tony, a big thank you to you for all the work that you do in this. I know when we were creating those meal plans together and (laughs) trying to craft recipes that were delicious and filling and healthy and all the things, but still uh, met all those financial goals of just being super budget friendly, I'd be like, okay, we can use tofu. That's cheap. And you're like, no, it's not. And it's just um, so much, um, I think, just awareness and studying and practicing what you preach for so long has become such a great, great resource for so many people. So thank you, Tony, for all that you do. Um, thank you. That's so nice of you. <laughs> and I love that Anna has such a disarming personality. So even if people come to her feeling uh, nervous or defensive or anything, like I just feel like you can't keep that wall up for long when talking to her, right? She just makes you just want to open up. So such a beautiful person to be doing this work. Thank you all listening for being here for this episode. If it is helpful, we hope it is. And if not, we hope you learned something or maybe got a little bit more perspective on how different people have different struggles in life and to really be sensitive of um, meeting people where they're at as well, even if you're not a, a medical professional, like just as a human being, allow people to have their journeys and and acknowledge the struggles without um, kind of negating them, I guess. I think that's a big, a big thing that we can all take away from this. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, you can find all the show notes and more at plantpoweredpodcast.com. And we will see you in the next episode.